We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Wednesday, hump day, and that means Ryan Roberts, who I am joined by over there, our director of recruiting at Irish Breakdown, and I'm Brian Driscoll. We are here to talk Notre Dame Marshall. We have turned the page on last week's game, and we are ready to focus on the next game. And as we said yesterday, Ryan, we are going to learn a lot about Notre Dame this weekend, and we'll dive into more of that in our writing at irishbreakdown.com and in some of our other discussions. But today, we're going to kind of dive into some analysis of this matchup, and we're going to look at how these two teams stack up uh, on paper and how they mm-hmm. stack up. And I think when you look at Marshall specifically, Ryan, kind of before we dive into the specifics of that team I, I think the big picture thing that I like about this matchup is I think that Marshall is exactly the kind of team that Notre Dame needs to play a week after Ohio State. And what I mean by that is it's a game you're you're highly likely to win. Mm-hmm. It's also not a cakewalk team. Like, I don't want to play some FCS team because I feel like you're not going to really learn enough about how you've responded your body language could be bad. Your your execution could be bad. You should you could not make any of the improvements you need to make. And if you play the same way you did against Ohio State against some teams, UNLV, for example, you're still going to stomp them, and you're not going to learn anything. I feel mm-hmm. like with Marshall, kind of like Toledo last year, if you try and sleepwalk through this game, they're going to jump up and bite you. I think they're also good enough in some specific areas that we'll kind of get into during the show that – are going to test Notre Dame to see just how much you've improved. So I think the timing of this Marshall game is going to end up being something that's a definitely a positive for Notre Dame. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, 
the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And I think that you're going to see a lot of the same qualities on the schedule that get you worried at some points, right? Like you're going to see for Marshall, not diving too much into it, but you're going to see some perimeter ability from their wide receivers. You're going to see the ability to work in space. You're going to see some good defensive players, if I'm being completely honest. And you're going to see some size at the offensive line, right? So I agree, Brian. I mean, I, I commented on it yesterday that I think there are several players in this Marshall team that are probably better than what we would typically think of as Marshall-level players. Like, I think right. there's a couple that can play decently high level of football. So I'm looking forward to it, man, because, again, it's, it's not a cupcake. It's not a cakewalk. Notre Dame needs to come out and play hard or else Marshall's going to be able to keep it close for a little bit, I think. Ultimately, they're just so much more talented that they should win this one relatively easy, but Notre Dame needs to show that, that they have a little bit of that gut check moments. And it's kind of like, hey, man, yes, last week stunk. It, it's, it stinks to lose a close game, but hey, let's come back and let's right. give our A game this next week. Because ultimately, Ryan, that's what matters most about this matchup with Marshall. It's not so much the win because they'll win. It's not so much about the margin of victory. It's not so much about a lot of the different aspects that we've talked about. It's about, I think you nailed it. It's about, okay, how are you going to respond? Right. And I'm going to have my midweek musings coming out here uh, after the show at some point in time, it'll come out later this afternoon. And, you know, one of the themes from it is, we're going to learn a lot about this Notre Dame football team this week. We're going to learn a lot about them from the standpoint of, you know, what kind of character do they have as a football team? You know, what kind of what what kind of leadership do they have from a coaching standpoint? What kind of leadership do they have from a player standpoint? You know, what 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 is this team made of? Because what this team is made of is going to tell us how much they're able to come out and play to their potential because I don't expect the team to be full throttle in week two. I mean, that that does right. take time. I mean, there's a reason why some teams have looked really bad in September or not, maybe not as good in September. Clemson in 2018, you, you, mm -hmm. that team that we've talked about was so good. They weren't that good in the first four or five games of the year. They were good, 
right. they didn't look like the team that that they, they were in November and then of course in the playoff because they were a young team that was still evolving as a team. And now this is not a young team per se, at least it's not on defense, but the offense is a young team. You have a sophomore mm-hmm. quarterback. You have two sophomore running backs as part of your three-man rotation. Your top receiver is a sophomore. You have two sophomores starting an offensive line. Now, that's not an excuse for how you played on Saturday, right? right. Because you're the starters. It's just that it's just pointing to the fact of it's not a justification for why you're losing, but it is saying it is going to take you a little time to reach your peak, right? right? And so – but what do you do as a young offense, for example? Because we're going to start off with the offensive conversation here first. But what do you do as an offense from a from a leadership standpoint? You know, if Jared Patters can't go, Avery Davis isn't isn't on your team now. Who steps up up as that leader and says, "Hey, you know what? What we did Saturday, not good enough. It's not on Coach Reese. It's not on Coach Freeman. It's not on Coach Eastanis. It's on us." Right? right, and that's what you want to see. Now we could sit there and argue, right? Well, no, the coaches are ultimately responsible. They're they're the coaches. That's how you and I look at it because we are former coaches. Mm-hmm. But I want to see that leadership from the players. Say, ah, oh, fellas, no, 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 no. We don't need Coach Reese to put his put his foot up our butts. Who's the offensive lineman? Is it Josh Lug? Is it Zeke Carell? Is it Jer- is it Andrew Gustafic? Who you know who? If Jared Patterson can't play, says, hey, no, 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 no. We don't need Coach Eastand to rip our butts today. We should be more pissed about our performance than he is, right? That's yeah. the character that I want to see from this football team. And if they're going to to bounce back from this game in a way, Ryan, that kind of tells us, okay, this team's got a little something, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna see that. And that's that's really the thing that I'm most looking forward to seeing on Saturday is as we di- you know, we'll dive into the matchups and we'll get into all the the specifics of this matchup or that matchup or whatever the case may be. But that's the thing right now, more than anything, Ryan, that, that's, you know, that, that you can't quantify with the statistic. And you're not going to be able to quantify it afterwards with a statistic because you are the far superior team. It's going to be about just watching the game and being like, okay, this team played with a little bit of an edge today. And that tells me something about Notre Dame. It's what we call self-accountability, man. We mm-hmm. need to see these guys kind of take that onus on themselves. I agree with you completely, Brian, because th- this is one of those things where – I I think we remembered, was it last week or the week before? I can't remember. I talked a little bit about Kyron Williams was kind of that spark, right? Like mm-hmm. he was kind of that emotional leader. You kind of fed off him if you're Notre Dame offensive player and Notre Dame defensive player for that matter. Who's that guy on this team right now? I think there's a, a few guys that can be that guy. But as of right now, I'm, I'm still kind of waiting to see like who is that leader on both right. sides of the ball that, they, that they're just – he walks in the room – he tells you to get your stuff together and you get your stuff together. Like right. that is the, the difference, the tone setter, if you want to call him that. And this game, it can be tough. Like, you know, it, it, this type of game can be tough because whether it's drilled into them every single day throughout the week, which I'm sure it will be, it's still you're at Notre Dame and you're playing a Marshall team, right? Yep. Where you're going to look at them and you're going to say, in your minds, even if it's not on the top of your mind, even if it's not consciously, you're going to think, I I'm a better football player than them, right? Yeah. We're a better football team than that team. We have all right. that, that understanding and you can go into that game. And I think you can take people for granted, obviously. Right. And, and we've already mentioned it. Marshall has some good football players and you can't take them for granted. I think what does help Notre Dame though, Brian, in my opinion is that sometimes these scrappy teams do not have the guys that look the part, you know, at times mm-hmm. and they kind of take you off guard. Marshall has some guys that look the part, you yeah. know, like Corey, Corey Gavin, just six, four, 220 pound wide receiver. Ethan yeah. Driscoll, great last name, by the way, is six foot nine, 314 pounds, right? Like they're gonna Isaiah Fossey's gonna line up against Ethan Driscoll, and be like, oh, okay, like that's 
That's, I better that's bring a my off its lineman. Yeah, that's a division right. one off its lineman. I need I need to play hard here. Right. Corey Gamage is going to line up across from Cam Hart, and we'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I actually kind of need to play here today, right? So right. I think there's going to be kind of a a remembering factor for this team that's like, oh, well, wait, no, this team's pretty good. Like we're not playing it just a, a rollover cupcake. Like this team right. has division one players, they have good football players, and they have guys that look the part. So. Looking forward to it, man. I am because I mean I, I look forward to every single game day as, as a fan and as an analyst. But I'm looking forward to this one because I said it yesterday. It's a gut check, man. It is yeah. like Notre Dame could easily walk into this game if you don't have great leadership and just kind of mail it in and just be like, oh, we're just going to do the minimum to win this football game. But I don't think that's what this, these coaches. I don't think that's what is on this coaching staff. I don't think it's what's on this team. And if they are the team that we think that they can be, because again, no moral victories, right? right? Notre Dame lost the football game against Ohio State, and they need to win that football game. There's no could have won that. Could have exactly. won exactly. Yeah, exactly. The one silver lining is that you know that you can compete with that yeah. team. You know that you can, you belong there. Ryan, right? there are you past Notre that. Dame teams that if they'd have played against a team like Ohio State the way that that team played, they'd have got blown out. Which again speaks yes. to this team has more talent than people realize. Yeah, they they had that. I mean, they made plays on Saturday based on really good scheme defensively, but also some talent. And, you know, that's a thing that we're going to have to find out. So, Ryan, let's, let's dive into our stacking up. Let's do it. So this is a, a breakdown that we do where we kind of look at where Notre Dame is statistically and strong. And, you know, we'll kind of look big picture games and then dive into the weeds a little bit of each individual game and, you know, see who has the advantage in the run game. So Notre Dame's rush offense against Marshall's rush defense in the pass game and then overall scoring. Then we'll go defensively and we'll kind of talk about why those things are. And we'll try to point out some, you know, hey, this statistic is is representative of what they do. Or maybe this one isn't, you know, because of whatever circumstances. And we'll try to give you as much context as we can and then just kind of figure out who has the advantage. So it's a more of an on paper matchup. But obviously you have to take the context of who the production was against when you look at statistics like this. Usually for the first three games of the year, I will use last year's statistics as a gauge. Otherwise, Marshall has the advantage in every single statistic over Notre Dame if we look at one game, whereas Notre Dame played Ohio State and Marshall played Norfolk State. So it's still too early to kind of use this year's statistics as what we bring up. So it can get a little tricky because you're using last year's statistics and it's not the same teams, but we'll we'll try to give as much context as we can to these conversations. And so uh, that's where we're going to begin with, Ryan, and we are going to start with the Notre Dame. Uh, so actually, let's kind of start with the rush, the scoring offense for Notre Dame. We're going to kind of go in a little bit different order today uh, because I think this is an interesting one for me, mm -hmm. Ryan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when I look at when I look at this matchup and I look at Marshall and I look at Notre Dame, I think one of the things that people are going to look at in this game and evaluate Notre Dame and evaluate Marshall, if we're being honest, we you know you and I said yesterday, you know, it's not about the stats, right? And it, and it's not for me, it really isn't, but it is going to be in a lot of a perception standpoint, and I don't particularly like it. I don't like the moral victory thing. But if we're going to take a step back from what our standard is for Notre Dame and look at what the perceived standard is for Notre Dame, Notre Dame gained bonus points in some people's eyes by playing Ohio State as tough as they did. Yep. So now you go out and you look at it from a perception standpoint and you are playing a, a Sunbelt team. Mm -hmm. It's a good Sunbelt team, but not an elite Sunbelt team. This isn't Louisiana Lafayette. 
This isn't, you know, App State from a few years ago. This isn't one of those type of teams. Remember when Southern Miss had a couple really good teams under Larry Fedora? It's not that kind of team. And so it's a game that you're expected to dominate. And Notre Dame will not do that if the offense doesn't come to play. Because you have an article at Irish Breakdown today, and, and you kind of break down the individual players of, of each team. Your defensive one just came out about 17 minutes ago, just published about 17 minutes ago. And the thing that you said is this defense for Marshall is where you're going to find most of the, yo, that dude can play type of guys. Mm -hmm. And so Notre Dame is going to have to come out fired up and ready to execute to do what they need to do against a team like this, because I want to learn what kind of football character Notre Dame has. And in this area right here is where we're going to see a lot of that, you know, third down offense, red zone offense numbers where Notre Dame was okay last year, bad against Ohio state. 3 of 13 on third down. Couldn't move the chains. That's what hurt you. And, you know, got into the red zone, first drive of the game, and did nothing. Lost yards. You know, and so those are the things that you you need to see. Now, they did a good job not turning the ball over, but it's because they were so conservative, in my opinion. So this right here, this matchup right here, because I think that 44 ranking, the 23.8 points per game for Marshall, it's a little bit misleading. And the reason I think it's misleading is because of the league that they played in last year. They played in a league where people scored a lot of points. That 23.8 points per game, which ranked them 44th in the nation, was second in Conference USA last year. Mm-hmm. This is That's a league that has a lot of teams that can score points. And so I think Notre Dame needs to be like – they need to be able to score on that team. And that's why this matchup is so intriguing. On paper, Ryan, it's advantage Notre Dame. But as you can see, yeah. some of the statistics are very similar. You know, you look at uh, yards per play. Marshall's defense was better than Notre Dame's offense last year. Notre Dame didn't show us anything on Saturday against Ohio State that should make us think that all of a sudden they're going to be more explosive. They got to show it, right? We've been saying that all summer. You know, red zone, Notre Dame was better, you know, in the in touchdown percentage, but Marshall was was better just overall. Third down defense, exactly the same. Turnovers, almost identical. So mm-hmm. this is an area where Notre Dame is going to have to show that it is improved, and this is the matchup they're going to have to make it happen against because this is a an athletic Marshall defense that that is going to make you have to execute in order to have some success against them. You know the number that pops out to me, Brian. I mean, we talked about the you already talked about you know kind of the third down percentage and the and the red zone percentage a little bit, but the yards per play percentage is pretty good on a Marshall mm-hmm. side of things. You know, only five point one yards per play. That's comparative to. 396 yards per game, which is only 81st nationally. Those are those are some of the stats right there. Because, like, in my immediate thought is, like, those things don't commute, uh, c- kind of fit together, right? It's like you're not giving up a lot of yards per play, but you're giving up a lot of yards per game. That probably tells me that there was maybe a time of possession issue. Maybe that opponent's offenses had the, had the football a little bit you'll, more. You'll than... find out here in a second when we get to yes. Marshall's offense. They ranked 126 in the nation in turnovers. Oh, that's, that's why game. they gave up the kind of points that they gave up relative right. to what you said, like you said, the yards per play. Yes. Which then put them behind in a lot of games, which led to, yes, some of those other things, but yes, it is hundred day, 25 lost turnovers last year, which ranked 126th. That's, that's absolutely gross. Cause I mean, if yeah. you look at it again, if I'm looking at a defense that in this conference only let 5.1 yards per play, that tells me that there's, some good stuff that's happening on the defensive side of the football for Marshall. I mean, again, it's, mm-hmm. it's 26 nationally, so it's a good place to be. But the fact that the yards per game and the points per game is up, again, would tell me that the defense was probably on the field a lot last year, right? So that's the context of these types of stats. And then, again, red zone defense was nice. We talked about Notre Dame needs to finish near the in the end zone. They need to finish in the red zone. That's 
a big advantage when you have a, a quarterback that has the rushing ability of a Tyler Buckner is in the red zone. That especially becomes a, a huge threat, the ability to run the football, because you're going to see a lot of man coverage near the end zone, right? So that could be a huge advantage point. But I mean, I think that these numbers do indicate to me, Brian, and again, there's some numbers that do not match do that's circumstantial, mm-hmm. but Marshall has some talented players. They do yeah. on this defense, man, especially on this. I, I keep talking about the second level, but like these three linebackers that they have, folks, these guys can play. I'm telling yeah. you right now, you're going to see seven, you're going to see 24, and you're going to see number one on the field for Marshall. And you're going to be like, oh, okay. Like right. they can play. They're, they're not just a pushover. They're not a rollover. So, no. yes, I, I think that, that indicates that this is not just going to be a cakewalk. Notre Dame's offense has to come to play, and they have to really get into a good groove early against Marshall. Well, and what what you and I talked about yesterday too, Ryan, is this isn't this isn't your typical. They're not a big defense, but they're not your typical undersized conference USA type of team, which yeah. is what they were up until this year. They're Sun Belt now, but they were Conference USA coming into the season. Like I said, they're not huge, mm-hmm. but their defensive tackles are bigger than Notre Dame's defensive tackles at two ninety four and three hundred three. You know, yeah. their ends are are, are two forty and two thirty five, but they're long. You know, they have a young kid from Nigeria that's 6'7", 270 playing defensive end. He's their version of Alexander Ahrensberger. You know, Elijah Austin uh, Elijah Austin is 6'3", 265. I mean, so they got some guys that can play, and their linebackers are rangy. They're 225, 235-pound guys that can run inside. Yep. So, and then Charlie Gray, as you broke down yesterday, is a 6'3", long, rangy type of kid as well. So they're really 4'3 personnel. He's more of a – He's more of a linebacker to me than he is like a, 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 he's, a Sam he's more Jack Kaiser yeah. than he is, you know, like when Mike Elko was at, at Wake Forest and he had Thomas Brown playing Rover, you know, like who mm-hmm. was like a big safety. You yep. know, this kid is more of a, a, a rangy linebacker, a, like a Jack Kaiser, like a Drew Tranquil kind of player, a uh, little bit rangier, like as a, a little bit more of a comfortable space player than Drew was, but you get the point of, He's not a Jeremiah Usukoromoa as much as he's those other type of guys. Right. And so they're going to be prepared to shut down Notre Dame's run game. And that's mm-hmm. going to be a part of what we're doing. So let's bring that up next, Ryan. And this is the matchup of bad on bad. And look, until Notre Dame proves us otherwise, we're, I mean, here's the thing. Like we talked a lot this offseason about how we expect this Notre Dame offensive line to be a lot better. And we expect the run game to be a lot better. And I think the offensive line did show improvement. It did you're being objective and honest it did not look like last year's group that just was kind of passive I guess is the way I want to say it they weren't effective though and Mm -hmm. at the end of the day I'm not giving you brownie points for getting after it it's about execution and they didn't execute and they only rushed for 76 yards a game so or 76 yards in the first game and you're going against a Marshall team that's just last year was not able to stop the run at at all and which is surprising when you look at the talent, to be honest with you, and and it, you know, part of me believes it's. I don't think that they necessarily. I'm trying to think of the right way to say this without it coming across disrespectful. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the scheme per se necessarily maximizes the talent that they have. If yep. that makes sense, it accentuates their strengths. It yes, I, yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I don't think that it does, and so. We don't know. I mean, I, I thought I saw some changes. You're also now going into year two of Lance Gidry being your defensive coordinator. So, you know, you'd expect a little bit better execution, as you also saw too, Ryan, is their yards per attempt was better. But my concern, if I'm looking at this from a Marshall standpoint, is you ranked 105th in rushing yards allowed, but ranked 23rd in tackles for loss. 
So for you to rank that high in yards and, and creating negatives, mm-hmm. and yet you still gave up 192 rushing yards a game, that means when teams were running on you, they were either going minus three or gashing you. Yes. And so that needs to be what Notre Dame does if we're going to be honest about it. It needs to be who they are in this game. They need to come out and they need to gash them. They need to gash Marshall. And, you know, I don't think any of us know really what Marshall is right now on on run defense because they look great on stats. They gave up 30 yards rushing on 31 carries against a not very good team last week. So uh, I don't know if they are improved or not, to be completely honest with you. I thought they were pretty assignment sound against Norfolk State. But again, Norfolk Mm -hmm. State was kind of a little bit dull offensively, if I'm being honest with you. I don't think they did a lot of things to really challenge Marshall. They just tried to do what they do. Yep. So I don't know how much to improve they are, but stati- if we're just using the one-game statistic of 2022, it's advantage Marshall. Mm-hmm. You know, But that's why you try to bring in last year is Notre Dame wasn't real good running the football last year. Marshall wasn't really good at stopping a run last year. But I think that bottom number for me is the most troubling for Notre Dame because the tackles for loss allowed thing kind of reared its ugly head a little bit again against against Ohio State. You mm-hmm. gave up 10. Yeah, I mean, so I'm trying to hold on. Let me let me look at the number. I was looking at Marshall there real quick. You gave up six tackles for loss against Ohio State, and you only ran the ball 30 times. It's not great. Right? That's not good. Yeah. And then Marshall, on the other hand, had 10 tackles for loss in the in their opener against Norfolk State, which tracks with how they were last year. So that's the concern for me is Notre Dame should be able to have have its way against Marshall if if they if they're good they should I mean it, yeah. it, but if they play as unsound in in their execution as they did last week against Ohio State you're going to mm-hmm. see this number down here right here become problematic because it's yeah. going to put Notre Dame behind the sticks and force them to throw and I don't care who you're playing you don't want to be in situations right now where you have to throw because you have no choice that's never a great place to be in if the team on the other side has a pulse. And this is the thing about this matchup that makes it very interesting, Ryan. Well, I, I think the one thing that you did see that is consistent with what last year Marshall, as far as Marshall's game against Norfolk State, Brian, is these stats tell me that this is a very boomer bust <laughs> run stopping defense, right? This is a very aggressive run stopping defense because either they're going to make a tackle for loss, or like you said, they're probably giving up a pretty big game, right? They're giving up some explosive plays in the run game. And I think even though it didn't hurt him on the stat sheet against Norfolk State, I still think that you saw the over-aggressiveness at times, right? Like I wrote in the piece that just went live that I thought Charlie Gray is a, is a talented, you know, kind of overhang Sam type of defender. But even he is kind of over-aggressive a little bit, you know? Like I told – I said that you can toy with him a little bit, right? Like you can make him guess wrong. And I think that there is a lot of guessing in the, the talented linebackers that they have in the, in the defense that they run. I mean – Abraham Bowplan is going to take some chances, right? Like Eli Nell is going to take some chances. Charlie Gray is going to take some chances. These guys are going to go for the big plays. There's no doubt about it. Last week, it didn't hurt them because they didn't play against a great team. But even I think that that does track to last season, Brian, is the fact that this is an aggressive defense. They're going to – the thing I like about these linebackers a ton is that they hit their trigger step and they get downhill in a hurry. They will go, right? And I think that is a big indicator of why that tackle for loss number is so high. But they also maybe put themselves in a bad position in, in a lot of reps too, right? So that, I think that that kind of tracks what we saw last season. Because, again, folks, if you watched just a little bit of the Norfolk State game, a lot of plays that they made, but also some misses still. It's just against Norfolk State, it's not going to hurt you as much as it is against a good team that you're going to play on your schedule.
And that to me, Ryan, is why I, I think this is a good test for Notre Dame, right? This is what we're talking about, right? Like because of how they play, you're going to have a better idea of where you are. Now, look, there's a scenario in which no name could rush for over 200 yards, and you and I come and, and sit down here in the postgame show and say, uh, I'm, I'm concerned. Actually, you won't be on the postgame show this week. But when we talk breakdowns next week, getting ready for Cal, say, look, I'm still concerned. Yes, they rushed for 225 yards, but, you know, Chris Tyree had a 50-yard run, Tyler Buckner had a 40-yard run. You still gave up eight tackles for loss against Marshall, yeah. right? And you were able to overwhelm them with talent. And, and that's not what I want. I don't want to see Notre Dame overwhelm Marshall with talent because that doesn't mean you're better. I want to see them overwhelm Marshall with talent, with technique, with toughness, and with execution. That's what we're talking about here, right? Like when they beat New Mexico 66-10, to 10, I wasn't impressed with that game. You could see clear falls with that football team because they just overwhelmed them with talent. And I don't want to see them overwhelm them with talent. And that's the whole point that I'm trying to make is I want to see them uh, – overwhelm them with all the other aspects of it. That's what I want to see from this Notre Dame football team. And that right there, if they can keep the tackles for loss way down, that's yep. a sign that this unit learned from its mistakes against Ohio State and they're playing more sound football. Then a game in which they maybe rushed for 225 yards is more impressive to me because it was done with execution, not just overwhelming an inferior opponent. And that's why, again, I say this is a good matchup for Notre Dame because it's going to force you to learn from your mistakes, and it'll be easier to see, okay, did you just overwhelm them with talent or did you play better? Yeah. And that's the point. Because if they play the same exact way they did against Ohio State, they will win this game by two touchdowns. Oh, for sure. At least. At least. Yeah. At least. I was going to say it might even be right. a little higher, but I think the over-encompassing thing, though, Brian, to what you said is that you need to see that growth. Because right. how Notre Dame is built, you need to be successful in early downs. You need to run the football successfully. You can't have negative plays because you're going to put yourself mm -hmm. behind the chains and you are a team that wants to establish the run and let things work off of the run. That's how you want to make your money. Like That's what you do, right? And that's going to create explosive plays. That's going to open up play action and opportunities that way. So even past Marshall for a second, Notre Dame needs to be better and not give up as any negative right. plays because they need they're the type of team as a run first team that needs to play in front of the chains. They can't fall behind or else they're just not going to be nearly as effective. So I think that's a more of an all encompassing thing, but I agree completely in this game. That's what I, I, I need to see that. Like if, if the Notre Dame's offensive line comes out and they aren't able to dominate a Marshall defensive line, right? I, I'll just put it out there. Uh, that's going to be very troubling. Yes. Very troubling because yes. they're better. Look, in a few weeks, you're going to be playing against Brian Brissy, Miles Murphy, and Tyler Davis, and KJ Henry in that group, right? If you can't mm -hmm. dominate a Marshall offensive uh, defensive line, you sure as heck are not going to do it when you play against your next biggest competition in Clemson, right? Like it's not going to happen. So, all encompassing, but it's specifically in this game as well. Notre Dame needs to dominate from an offensive line perspective and create some movement in the run game. It has to happen. Right. Let's go here to the passing offense. This is an intriguing matchup because on paper, Marshall was a really good pass defense last year on paper. My question for you, Ryan, is I don't know how good they actually were in pass defense last year. And I actually question how good they were in pass defense last year. Because when you look at it, they had a couple games where they padded their numbers a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so they, you know, kept 
Navy had 61 yards. NC Central had 106 yards. And it was a really strange – they had some really strange stat lines. They held Middle Tennessee State to 105 yards. They held Old Dominion to 106 yards. And you're like, you know, that, that's, that seems to be pretty good, right? I mean, those that's that's keeping those teams way down. But then you actually go look at those teams and you're like, yeah, okay, these teams weren't very good throwing football last year. You know, so, for example, as I said, they held North Texas to 134 yards last year. Well, North Texas had more interceptions last year than they had touchdown passes. You and just mentioned threw- – you just mentioned Old Dominion as well. If anybody saw their first game against Virginia Tech, I mean, Old Dominion went 14 of 37 passing. So you're not right. playing against very and, good passing Right, and, and last year they were 15 touchdowns and 14 interceptions, right? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, not a team that throws the ball a ton uh, last year. So then you have games like against East Carolina, who was a better passing team last year, and they gave up 395 yards. They gave up 283 to, to App State. You know teams that are that are more effective throwing the football. It, but then you look and say, okay, well they gave up 328 to Wake uh, Western Kentucky. But as we pointed out yesterday, that was actually keeping Western Kentucky well below their season average. So yeah. it was really a strange season for them with the pass defense because again against uh, East Carolina they under underachieved against against App State. Now the other part of the Western Kentucky game is I believe Western Kentucky got on them pretty early. Mm-hmm. And, you know, didn't exactly, uh, you know, I mean, they, they they ran. I mean, Western Kentucky ran 34 times in that game last year. That was the most times they'd rushed. That was the most rushing attempts they had all year. They also rushed for 157 yards that game, which is the most rushing yards they had all year in the regular season. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> they jumped on them early, and that that's kind of plays into why those numbers were a little bit down. And then, of course, Louisiana goes out and passes for, I think, was it like 286? Let me, let me pull back up here real quick. 278. Louisiana Lafayette wasn't really a vaunted passing team. They only had 218 and a half yards per game. So they were an efficient passing team, but not a real explosive passing team. And you gave up 278. So I don't think this is a very good pass defense, which is interesting, Ryan, because they have some pretty good athletes on the back end of their defense and they're very long, but they weren't schematically. There were some things that could created some problems for them last year, in my opinion. And I'm curious to see how they've been able to correct those if they can this season. Yeah, it was, this is another unit that I thought was a little bit of feast or famine, right? Because you see, I mean, you see some of those numbers like the yards per attempt, 10th nationally, 6.3 yards per attempt. That's a great number. I mean, yeah. eight, only 18 touchdowns, the, the yards per game number is low. I mean, like there's a lot of really good numbers on that on that list. But you say it again, Brian, like for context purposes, you have to look at what are they doing against the better passing teams on the schedule, what were they doing against some of the worst passing teams on the schedule? Like those, those the context does matter. Also had 40 sacks, which is a pretty decent number. So mm-hmm. for on it paper, it looks like a pretty good passing uh, pass defense, but I agree with you. I think that you're missing some of the context there. And I'm, I'm curious to see, because Notre Dame has a lot of questions to answer from a passing game perspective, right? Like after, after game one, but Marshall has, some good football players. Steven Gilmore is a really good corner who I think is going to get a shot in the NFL. Like he's a good football player. And they got a couple of those guys in the back end that I would call, you know, longer athletes than what you would consider a typical Marshall defensive back. So interested to see it. And obviously this is the one I think that Notre Dame fans are going to be paying most attention to in my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. They want to see, I, I know I do. If I'm just talking personally, I don't want to see Notre Dame just run the football in a, in a, 
super high volume clip because they can, right? I expect that to happen. I want them to be, I want to see the training wheels come off a little bit. I want to see what they can do as, as a passing offense. I want to see what they can do if they open things up a little bit. So I'm interested because not only is that what I think Notre Dame is potentially going to do or what they should do, you're also playing against a defense, a passing defense that had some good moments, but also you have the clear advantage of, right? So I think that you have the advantage here. It's just, you have to see it, right? I mean, Notre Dame just threw for what, 177 yards or right. something like that, right? Like somewhere in that ballpark. So it, this is going to be a test because it's not a terrible pass defense, but I think Notre Dame does have the advantage. It's just about doing it now. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think this is a good test for the receivers. I do. I, I like this test for the receivers because, as you said, this is going to be a long group of defensive backs. If they are, if they have, if they're, if Lance Gidry has half a brain, and I think that he does, he's going to watch Notre Dame's game against Ohio State. He's going to watch them against Purdue last year, against mm-hmm. Cincinnati last year, against o- Oklahoma State last year. And he's going to say, what was the common theme? When you come up and you get aggressive with these receivers, they don't play well. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to stay off and let Lorenzo Styles and Braden Lindsay and those guys just eat me up with RPOs because I'm afraid of Notre Dame. You've got nothing to lose here. Come up yeah. and be aggressive and try to force them into mistakes. That's going to be the key because they are pretty decent at getting after the quarterback. They are. Mm-hmm. And they do some things schematically that that try to free up rushers. And that's what Notre Dame struggled with last week. So if I'm Marshall, I'm coming at Notre Dame real aggressively. Aggressively with my pressures and aggressive with my coverages. And Notre Dame has to anticipate that. Now, on film, Ryan, you do see a lot of that into the boundary on film. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. as much to the field. I'm curious if they're going to adjust that on Saturday and kind of do some more cover one type of stuff. Cause they have to, th- if you're, Oh, if you're Marshall, you also have to know. Okay. I, I know coaching. I know, I know Notre Dame and I know Harry, he I don't have to know them personally to know that they're not going to be real happy with what happened on Saturday and they're going to try to run the football. Yep. We can't let them run down our throat. We're not, we weren't very good at it last year anyway. So what is the way you can commit extra resources, play more quarters, you could do that, sure, but then Notre Dame's going to RPO you and quick game you to death and, and screen game you to death on the perimeter, and you don't necessarily want that. Or the other option is to kind of go eight in the box and go kind of cover one on the outside and say we're going to take our chances and make Notre Dame beat us down the field because what's the one thing Notre Dame hasn't proven a lot in the last few years? That they can beat you consistently throwing the ball down the field. And so if I'm Marshall, that's what I'm going to try to force Notre Dame to do, and if you're Notre Dame, you got to step up and answer to the bell. 
And, you know, so get more, you know, get more crossers, get more levels, get more, you know, climb routes across the field, get more your perimeter screen game going and then take some shots, you know, because if you can bang a deep shot early against Marshall, whether it's designed, you know, with a, you know, some kind of climb, some kind of pose, some kind of wheel, if you can design a deep shot that way, that's great. Or if you just line up and they're like, okay, they're playing cover one, let's take a shot and you net, you bang that. Okay, whatever, whatever, however you get to it, that's the thing that's going to back Marshall off. If you can hit a couple shots down the field uh, early in the game, and I don't mean just straight go routes too. I'm talking like a 20, 25 yard, you know, drag or deep in. Those are down the field shots. Also, of what I'm talking about, on top of deep, deep shots. I think those are things to me that I, I want to see from this past game this weekend, and we'll, we'll dive a little bit more into some of the specifics of it next weekend. But I think in the, specific to this matchup, Ryan, is if they can come out early and establish the pass. I think that's going to be something this team needs from a confidence and the stance. run game is what they need from a confidence standpoint, pass game. They need to get the timing better. The yes. timing was off against Ohio state. There was stuff there, but the timing was off and mm-hmm. they need to get the timing down and that takes time and it takes opportunity. And that's why I want to see them come out and be a little bit aggressive throwing the ball, because again, you can just bully Marshall. You can, you can just bully Marshall sure. if you want. But bullying Marshall doesn't necessarily make your football team better as you're going to get ready to play Carolina in a couple weeks and BYU in a month and then Clemson down the road. doesn't make you better. Get your pass game going schematically, timing-wise, protection-wise, all that. And that's why I hope that you see that from Notre Dame on Saturday. And if they can, then you've now beaten Marshall at what they do best. And that's something that I'm going to look for on Saturday. And it's, it's a confidence boost, too. I mean, I feel like we've talked a lot about the fact that you have a sophomore quarterback who just made his first career start, but you also have a bunch of sophomore receivers playing football right now. You know, you have Brayden Lindsey, who has suffered in the past from confidence issues. I mean, like, let's call it what it is. Like, he's he needs a confidence boost. This team, need, Joe Wilkins, just coming back from an injury. I know he only played, I think, one or two plays during the first like game. one, like, and he kind of limped yeah, off after that one play, yeah. 100%. So, like, those guys – even your veterans working all the way down to your young receivers, those guys all need a confidence boost in this game. They do. Uh, Lorenzo Styles needs to be targeted more. He needs to get build the confidence. Brian Lindsay needs to make a couple more plays than he did last week. Just really start building that confidence. You need to get guys like Jaden Thomas involved in the football game. You need to get those guys involved because this is a big moment. I think Brian, honestly, like people are going to kind of glance over. It's just Marshall. It's just Marshall. A lot of confidence can come out of this game. Yes. And I think the biggest confidence that can come out of this game is not only just the offensive line in general and getting the run game going, but passing offense. Like you mentioned, the timing was off. You you saw some struggles and you saw some frustration at times. Like, let's call it what it is, right? This is a game where you can get Buckner in a groove. You can get the mm-hmm. wide receivers in a groove. You can start building that chemistry further and further. That's the, the what I want to see in this game more than anything, honestly is for this passing attack to start to grow within itself and to get comfortable. If they Mm -hmm. start getting comfortable, we've talked about it, right? Athletes, there's a lot of athletes on this offense. There's a lot of athletes on this team. What does an athlete need in order to be a very good football player? They need confidence, man. Get confidence injected into this passing offense, and let's see what they look like rolling into – a Clemson, a BYU, a USC. Like I, I just want to see them play a lot more confidently than they did last week. Jonathan Garbick said this, Ryan, and I think this is a good point that ties into what we're talking about. He said between the run game and pass game, it's a question, uh, Mm -hmm. which one needs to be improved faster and why? Now we're going to have a mailbag at the end, but I wanted to pull this one up because I think it's very relevant to what we're discussing right now. Yeah. And 
Jonathan, my point, uh, the point I'm trying to make in this is I do think it's the pass game because Notre Dame's heart and soul is going to be running the football. It, it is. If they're going to win a championship this year or compete for a championship this year or compete for and win a championship next year or the next year, it's going to be because they're one of the better running teams in the country. However, you can't just be a running team that has a pass offense to just complement you and takes you need a pass offense that is a legitimate threat. That's the only way you can win today. You can't. And that's what, you know, like when you look at last year with, with Georgia, like the better Stetson Bennett got later in the year, the harder it was to beat him because if you tried to load the box, you just throw it over your head and take shots down the field. And again, you can't, you can't look at the Georgia model. Georgia's the anomaly, right? They're not the team. They're not the way that most teams do it. If you're going to produce thir- a defense that has 13, you know, draft picks on it. Sure. Okay. Maybe you can do that. But most teams can't do that, right? Bama can't do that. Ohio State can't do that. And I'm talking about 13 draft picks that are in your lineup now playing like draft picks. That's I'm not talking about like a freshman who's eventually going to be a draft pick. I'm talking about dudes that, like that. I mean, if, if every kid on Georgia's defense would have been able to go pro last year, their 15 draft picks might have been just defensive players. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm being serious. I'm not being hyperbolic there because how many defensive players did they get drafted last year? Keely Ringo would have got drafted. Jalen Carter would have got drafted. Nolan Smith would have got drafted. Robert Beal, if he checks out on the medicals, probably gets drafted late, you yeah. know, sixth, seventh round, or p- at least could have maybe been picked. So you you get the point that I'm making here. Mm-hmm. And so to me, Ryan, it's the pass game. The pass game has to prove to be a legitimate threat because as Bill uh, Walsh pointed out earlier, teams are going to make you beat them throwing the football. They, they just are. Notre Dame has – we've been talking about that all offseason. They have to know that. I'm pretty confident that Tommy Reese knows that. Coach Freeman needs to understand that too, is teams are going to say, we're going to, we're not going to let you beat us running the football. We're just not. Yeah. And Notre Dame has to be able to come out and say, okay, we're going to come out and, and just say, let's get our pass game really rolling. Because once the pass game gets going and then teams start having to be more – balance with their box points or box numbers then that's when when you become a really dangerous offense running the football so i know it's normally you know establish the run and all that and that's fine you can establish the run but if you just come out this week and run for 350 yards and throw for 165 unless that 150 150 those 165 come in the first half you know what i mean like where they just tyler just rips them up in the first half and then he doesn't play the rest of the half. Oh, he was on pace for 300, but they just didn't throw anymore. Okay, that's a different story, right? Mm-hmm. But for the most part, barring that sort of unique context, I-, I need to see them throw the ball effectively. I don't need to see them throw it 50 times. They just got to be good at it, you know, and, right. and effective at it and doing it with a lot of different things, not just throwing a bubble screen and you just better than their dudes and you're running for 50 yards. I'm talking about reading your, making your progressions, getting the ball down the field, hitting your second guy, guys getting open on with their routes, gaining separation with their technique. I need to start seeing that stuff, Ryan, because if we don't, then maybe they're good enough to beat Caroline and BYU just on talent. And I think that they are, but we're going to see the same thing happen against Clemson that happened against Ohio state. You're going to struggle moving to mm-hmm. football. You're going to see the same thing happen. If you're fortunate enough to get into the postseason in a big game or a playoff game, same thing's going to happen. And so and until that gets fixed, then some of this other stuff isn't going to, isn't going to change a whole lot. You're just going to out talent people and it's going to be the same old story. You know, you went 10 to two. It's a great year. Yeah. You just, you just had better athletes than everybody else. You weren't actually a great team. Right. And that's, that's what last year's team was 11 and one. Sure. Wasn't a very good team. 
You know, that team wasn't as impressive to me as the nine and three team from 2017 that played a much tougher schedule. Right. And so that's what I want to see. Right. And it's going to start right here with the pass offense to me. Well, I think it goes, it goes hand in hand too. It's like, do you want the passing offense, the running offense to get better? Well, if your passing offense gets better, that your running offense is also going to get better because you're, mm-hmm. you get less boxes or, I mean, you get less numbers in the box. Like you kind of illustrated as well. I would also say this, Brian, I mean, to be a good passing offense, you need more moving parts than just a running offense, right? Because I, I could argue that right now, if Notre Dame was better just on the offensive line, they would be a better rushing attack. Because I think running back is a very situationally dependent thing, sure. right? Like it's nice to have that stud, but you can get by with a good running game if you just have guys that know yep. this is the hole, hit it, get downhill, all that good stuff. And Don't a stud's not going to look like a stud unless he doesn't have blocking. 100%. I mean, the Barry Sanders's are unicorns where it's like, okay, yes. you don't want to block anyone. All right. I'm going to make 87 moves and still go. <laughs> yes, right. Exactly. Those guys are unicorns. Right. And, and, you know, we, we saw that. I mean, we saw that last year with Derrick Henry. We've seen that with Derrick Henry in the NFL, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, you know, he'll, he'll be really good, but look what happens when they get into some of the big games and, and he can't run the football. It's not because of him. I mean, yep. 62 yards for on 20 carries this year against the Bengals. Is, does that mean Derrick Henry's only a, you know, not a good player, or was it just that they got dominated up front and there weren't any holes to run through? Same thing happened to him in the playoff, the playoffs the year before, right? And so the running back, a running back needs a great offensive line, unless you're Barry Sanders. I mean, you know, Barry Sanders and Walter Payton are probably the only two backs I saw in my life that could still have success in spite of the offensive line. It's just they're, they're, that's why they're the two greatest running backs that I've ever seen. And with all due respect to Jim Brown, I never saw Jim Brown play, so he doesn't count for me. I never saw Gale Sayers play. I'm just talking about the guys that I've seen play in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so to your point, Ryan, you don't need elite backs if the line is there. But at the end, also, the, they've got plenty of talent running back, yes. to your point. It, it, if the offensive I, I line plays this... better, they'll run the football. There's no doubt in my mind. And and despite the yards per carry and the rushing rushing output last game not being overly impressive, I don't think anybody left that game and thought like, "Wow, Audrey Estime is a problem, right?" Like Chris Tyree is a problem, Logan Diggs is a problem. Like, I don't think anybody left that game and said, "Wow, we need to get a better running back in here." Like I don't think mm-hmm. that that's what happens in mm-hmm. that in that in that battle. But what I do know is that for a passing game to be better, Brian, you need the trigger man to be better. You need wide receivers to be better and more confident or pass catchers, I should just say, in general. And you need the offensive line to also block better. So that's a lot of moving parts. And you need timing, which is why it takes more time. I've said this before. That's why the pass game and why the offense take more time to get get going than a defense does. It's the main reason I've always said the defense should be ahead of the offense in the beginning of fall camp because those things do take more time. It takes more cohesion. It takes more time. You got to be on the same page. I got to know what you're thinking. Cause sometimes I just got to throw the ball out to a spot and you're going to go run underneath it. And I just got to trust you. Do you think that uh, Tyler Buckner is there with his receivers from his own experience? No, he's not there yet, but his receivers also have to do a better job of getting open and saying, Hey, I'm going to trust that you will get there and make those plays because he did that once to Lorenzo Styles, and I think I don't think Lorenzo finished the route off the way he needed to now am I blaming Lorenzo for that incompletion no Tyler's got to put it on him a little bit more but I don't think Lorenzo helped it you know maybe he's close enough to maybe lay out if he finishes the route off better and that's something he's got to work on because we saw that against Oklahoma State last year too you know he kind of slowed up a little bit on a on a deep route he's got to learn to track the ball a little bit better down the field so those are all parts of it that we need to see improve for Notre Dame
The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.